theme this year is building relationship. And tonight I want to talk uh, for a little while. I don't plan on going very long. The people in my Sunday school class will appreciate that comment. The rest of you may not, but they will. But I want to talk to you tonight uh, about integrity of relationship, integrity of relationship. In Acts 23 and 1, the Bible says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. He said, I have lived in all good conscience or in all integrity, in all integrity before God until this day. John Maxwell wrote a book. Uh, Most of you know who John Maxwell is. He wrote a book called Developing the Leader Within You. And in that book, he relates the following story. It's a very interesting uh, story. He says, in ancient China, the people uh, wanted to protect Uh, themselves from their enemies. So they built what we call the Great Wall. Does anybody know what the Great Wall is? This will be very, I'm going to try to help help you tonight not fall asleep by getting you to raise your hand and participate. One time you can raise this hand, the next time you can raise this, you can do them both, jump and jack, whatever you want to do. But they built the Great Wall to protect themselves from enemies that would come in and overthrow them. This wall was so high that it was believed that no one would be able to climb over it. It was also so thick that they believed no one could break it down. They also believed because it was so long, nobody would take the time to try to go around it. But in the first 100 years that the wall was built, China was invaded three times. The enemy did not break down the wall, they didn't climb over the wall, and they never went around the wall. So what happened? Each time, the enemy bribed a gatekeeper. And the enemy would march through the gates. And John Maxwell said it it appeared that the Chinese were so busy relying on their walls of stone that they forgot to teach integrity to their children. That's what happened there. There was a newspaper cartoon that depicted a young boy whose name was Kofi. Kofi was in a fruit tree. He was stealing oranges. A passerby yells, Kofi, you better come down or I will report you to your father. The boy responds, go ahead. He's in the next tree. (laughs) Kofi's father lacked integrity and he could not obviously teach his son integrity. Integrity is is defined as adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character and honesty. And we all understand that definition. Uh, And and, and a lot of what I'll talk about in integrity tonight is that definition. But integrity has two other definitions. One of them is the state of being whole, the state of being entire or undiminished. There is also a third definition of integrity that is a sound unimpaired or perfect condition. And this is where you would wonder uh, about a bridge's integrity or a building's integrity. Is it, is it uh, solid? Is it firm? Is it, 
is it sound? Is it uh, the ability to hold the load that it's designed to hold so you would worry about the integrity of it? I remember over the years of some of the jobs that I've had uh, in dealing with plants, they talked a lot about structural integrity. And so uh, what, what I, I want to talk tonight about is, is relationship integrity, about our morals and, and, and how we act and how we interact in relationship so that our relationships can have integrity. They can have soundness. They can have completeness. They can have wholeness. Does everybody understand? Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Proverbs 20 and verse 7, the Bible says, A just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Most relationship structure, and I I want you to hear this tonight, most relationship structure that I have, that you have as a person, was learned from your parents. It's a proven fact that most people, as children, as we grow up, our basic knowledge and understanding of relationship is learned by watching our parents or the people that we're living with our guardians, whoever that is. Our marriage structure, our marriage relationship uh, is a lot of times affected by what we see as children. Our interpersonal relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with fellow men, our relationship with other uh, people, our job relationship, our our ch- fellow church-going relationship, a lot of those uh, those. Uh, foundations of that relationship are learned from our parents, whether we actually participate in the relationship with them or not, or whether it's through observation. Where this can come into play and where this can seriously cause problems in relationship is if there is a bad relationship in that, in that environment. What I mean by that, and I've seen this happen several times, is a person will have a very bad relationship with a father. It may not even it may go beyond a non-existent relationship. It may go into a bad relationship. And that person as they grow older and they they engage a relationship with God and and the preacher preaches that God is our heavenly father and the Bible tells us that God is our heavenly father because there's such a bad or negative relationship with a father They struggle with a relationship with God. Does that make sense? Because everybody's staring at me, so I'm just wondering. So, it's been said that a, a, uh, a young man that grows up in an abusive home will oftentimes be abusive when he grows up. The reason why is because we learn so much relationship uh, foundation through watching those early relationships when we're five, six, seven years old. The good news is we're not bound to those. Okay, there's a lot of people that are very successful in overcoming their upbringing. There are people here tonight that have told me that I have overcome my upbringing. I was not raised in a home that that had solid relationship, but I can have that. And that happens through uh, the empowerment of God, the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, 
and learning relationship skills and learning relationship principles outside of the home. So in Proverbs, and I just read this, that a just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. How do children reap the blessings of their parents and their integrity in relationship? How does that happen? Number one, the Bible says children learn from their parents' example. It's kind of the old adage like father, like son. One proverb says in Ezekiel 16 and 44, the fruit doesn't fall very far from the tree. Anybody ever heard that saying before? Most of the time it's when you're holding that brand new baby and they go, boy, it looks just like his daddy. Boy, this fruit didn't fall far from the tree. When one of my children misbehave, especially the youngest one, my wife reminds me. That apple didn't fall far from the tree, honey. In fact, it never even bounced. Plop, there he is. Uh, but that's one of the ways that, that, that our children can be impacted by our example. Psalms 37 and 25 tells us that when parents plant good seeds, children reap them. Pastor has said this for for years, and I've heard him say it uh, to this congregation of people, so I know you've heard it, that oftentimes a person, when they sow seeds in their life, they're reaped in their children. They're reaped in their children. We may think we get away with it, but oftentimes it's the kids. So if you want good things in your kids... You sow good seeds. That's a simple concept. I know it's, it's almost elementary. If you want corn, don't plant apple seeds. Revelation, wasn't it? All of you are shocked. How is it that when we plant things in our life and in our kids, we expect it to be different? I grieve when I hear parents tell their kids, you're stupid. I was in the store a few months ago and I heard a lady tell a young child, four or five year old girl beside her, you'll never amount to anything. I wanted to walk over there, I didn't. I was angry, very angry and probably would not have gone well, but I wanted to walk over there and tell her, you're probably She's probably going to fulfill your prophecy, sweetheart. She probably will never amount to anything because that's what you're telling her she's going to do. Tell her she can do good things and plant good seeds into them. A third way that children uh, reap or, or, uh, or influenced by our example Or what they, they bring out of or, or reap out of our, our life is when a child strays. You know, the Bible says if you train up a child the way they should go, they will not depart from it. It doesn't mean they'll never leave. But when a child strays, they will still have in their mind the guidelines, the clear guidelines and the conscience that you gave them. And they will, tr- they will have that as they travel through life. And hopefully it encourages them to return to the right path. And children also enjoy the blessings that the parents receive. If you're blessed, 
You usually in turn bless your children or they're blessed because of that. When parents live, and I'm talking a lot about parents, either if you have small children, then, then please listen, but it also might help explain some things to you. When parents live above reproach, their children can hold their heads high because of a godly heritage. I thank God I grew up in a godly home. I'm proud that I'm humble. I'm proud of the fact that I grew up with a godly mom and a godly dad. I'm, I'm thankful that they took me to church. My mom's sitting here tonight. I'm, I'm glad that she's here. Some of you, Sister Lawrence, the Nixons, will remember me when I was a teenager and others. And there was a period of time my mom will, will be able to, to uh, tell you that's true that I really didn't want to go to church. Really kind of a funny story. One night I, I wanted to go fishing. I was a teenager. I wanted to go fishing. I didn't want to go to church. And I remember one night mom was in the choir and she was going to church and all afternoon I just fought her tooth and nail. I'm not going and I mean I was just a pain in the neck. Finally, okay, she had enough. And she left and went to church. She went to choir practice. And I was at home by myself. And I was kind of happy, you know. I had to kick back, do my own thing, kind of relax. and Nobody here to tell me what to do. And I walked outside to play basketball. Sunday night. Choir practice going on at church. And I looked into the sky. And now I realize it was probably a weather balloon. But it looked like Jesus. Some of you are laughing because you've had that same experience. <laughs> that looked just like Jesus coming. And I looked, I said, oh my goodness, there's Jesus. Maybe if I don't look at him, the trumpet won't sound quite yet. So I ran into the house because I wanted to beat him. And that, that moment in the twinkling of an eye, I was going to run in the house and beat him. So I ran in the house and I called the church. And some of you remember Brother Ed R.T., he answered the phone. And I told him, I said, I need to speak with Sister Vernell Murphy now. And he went and got her out of the choir. And she answered, she said, hello. And I said, Mom, come home and get me. I want to go to church tonight. And she came and got me. Uh, I wanted to be in church by the time Jesus got to the earth. But I appreciate being raised in a godly home. I, so, so we... We, as parents and, and grandparents, we can, we can have, give our children a heritage. We can give them a heritage. Uh, if a parent sows a seeds or lives a life of hypocrisy, then the salvation of the children can be negatively affected. I've seen that many times. Most kids don't want to be like their parents if their parents are hypocrites at church. This statement is really powerful to me. And I hope that we can hear it. The things that are done and are practiced in moderation today will be done in excess tomorrow. Things that are practiced in moderation today will be done in excess by the next generation. And man, have we seen that fulfilled. 
So parents who, who teach their children and they show their children their examples to them of how to live a godly life and how to live in moderation and how to live um, the way God intends for us to do will benefit those lives. It affects grandchildren, it affects nieces, nephews, those around you uh, to, to demonstrate that. Paul is telling us in Acts, he's lived a life of integrity. Since his conversion, he's saying, I've walked blameless before God and before man in my integrity. He walked and worked among men, as he put it, with clear conscience. I've not done anything wrong. I've not, I've not defrauded anybody. At one point in the Bible, he even says that. If I've taken anything, if I've defrauded you, if I've, if I've done anything bad, then come tell me about it. But you know that I haven't done that. It's talking about being a person of integrity. And they're taking this integrity and applying it to our relationships. People of integrity, men of integrity, women of integrity possess a strong, upright, and blameless character. It has been said that a measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he would never be found out. The habits and the framework of our lives should always be decent and blameless. Remember, whether you like it or not, somebody's always watching. I've used this illustration many times, but uh, some of y'all can remember Dennis Rodman. Anybody remember Dennis Rodman? Anybody not know who Dennis Rodman is? Dennis Rodman was a famous basketball player, for those that don't know. He was the guy that you would see on the, the front of the newspaper and the magazines with orange hair. And the next week it was purple hair, and then it was spiked, and then it was shaved, and all kinds of craziness. Dennis Rodman got into a lot of legal trouble more than once, but during one of these, these times, there was a lady that approached him and was scolding him for his, uh, his actions. And she said, my son, he's 12 years old. He looks up to you as a role model. He sees you as somebody he wants to emulate. He wants to be like you. And look at the way you're acting. Dennis Rodman very quickly and very honestly told her, don't ever let your son be like me. I don't want to be his role model. I never wanted to be his role model. The problem is, and this is what I would like to have told Mr. Rodman, is you don't get that opportunity to not have somebody look to you as a role model. That's never your choice. Somebody, somewhere, is watching you. Everybody say me. Somebody's watching you. In the life that you live, if it's in a life, if it's a life of integrity, will have a positive impact on somebody else who's watching you. D.L. Moody said, integrity is what you become in the dark. If you're never going to be found out, what would you do? We had an incident happen. Uh, Most of you you know the company that I work for. Um, we We transport a lot of what we call liability. And it's a very dangerous job. And I've been there four years in a couple of days. And we've never had an attempted robbery uh, since I've been there until Tuesday, yesterday. In Alexandria yesterday, we had a gentleman approach one of our employees and fired three shots at her. Never said a word. 
to try to get what she was carrying. Fortunately, no one was hurt. There was a crowds of people in front of Walmart, and as you can imagine, it turned into a pretty big incident. It's all over the news, so I'm not sharing any kind of uh, private information. This man is a doctor. He's 57 years old. He has at least 45 accreditations to his name. He is a psychologist. He has two doctorate degrees and he has four or five master degrees. He's got at least 45 accreditations to his name that he is a certified counselor in marriage and children and suicide and you name it. This guy has spent a lifetime, 57 years, building a reputation of integrity and character. Somebody had on the website uh, in the Alexandria newspaper or the Alexandria News website, I read it today, where you can leave a comment on the bottom. And one person left a comment and said, I hope this isn't true. How can a man like Dr. and called his name, Dr. Gilbert, how can he do something like this? He's such a good man. He's invested so much into other people. It's integrity. What would you become in the dark? if? And he did some things, and I'm not going to get into all that tonight, but he did some things to try to assure that he would not be caught. What do you become when, the, in, in, when you don't think you could get caught? That's what your integrity is. John Maxwell wrote another book. It's called Becoming a Person of Influence. In that book, he quotes uh, Philip Brooks, who said, Character is made in the small moments of our lives. Maxwell goes on to say, Anytime you break moral principle, you create small cracks in the foundation of our integrity. And when the times get tough, it becomes harder to act with integrity, not easier. Character is not created in a crisis. It It only comes to light. When crisis and problems come, they reveal what we have become. We either become stronger or weaker in such times. Trials can be opportunities that build us up or temptations that pull us down. There's a story that goes like this. Because the scorpion is a poor swimmer, he asked the turtle to carry him across the river. Are you mad, said the turtle, you will sting me while I'm swimming and I will drown. My dear turtle laughed the scorpion, if I were to sting you, wouldn't... Uh, You would drown, and I would also drown with you. Now, that wouldn't make sense, would it? The scorpion climbed aboard, and halfway across the river, the scorpion gave the turtle a mighty sting. As they both sank to the bottom, the confused turtle asked, Do you mind if I ask you something? You said there would be no sense in stinging me. Why would you do it? It has nothing to do with whether it makes sense or not, the drowning scorpion uh, sadly replied. It's just my character. It's just my character. People with integrity influence other people. For either good or bad, positive or negative, people with integrity can influence other people. People with a lack of integrity or poor integrity will usually take other people down as the scorpion did the turtle. That's why it is incumbent upon us as the children of God to always guard our integrity. Never let anybody have access to that. Never let anybody convince you that your integrity is not worth having. 
We must guard our integrity. The Bible says in Matthew 5 and 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Proverbs 11 and 3, the Bible says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, according to Proverbs 4 and 23. So how do we guard our integrity? How do we maintain a pure heart? In Mark 12, uh, 30 through 31, the Bible tells us to love God and to love his people. That will help maintain your integrity. Surround yourself with people that have integrity and have character. Uh, discipline yourself to please God according to 1 Timothy. Follow peace and holiness according to Hebrews 12 and 14. Focus on God according to Colossians 3. Heed God's word according to Psalms 119. I had a conversation the other day with somebody. Do you know the amount of money our world governments could save if everybody in the world would just obey the Bible? You wouldn't need prison. You wouldn't need any law enforcement except for to run speed traps. For whatever reason, that's one law that Christians break. At least there's one Christian I know that. Christy at one time said that she knows that we paid the Gonzalez Police Department enough when I worked down there to remodel their jail. But if everybody just focused on God's word, if we would just heed God's word, how much better would life be? If, if I could do it, if you could do it, if we would just do it and protect our integrity, it's amazing what, uh, how, how much better life would be. Another way that we can guard our heart and guard our integrity is to think about the right things according to Philippians 4. Preserve the word of God in our heart according to Psalms 119. Remain in touch with God. How do we do that? Through prayer and fasting and Bible study and, and, a faithfulness, and, to a, a, and faithfulness in attending church. According to the Song of Solomon 2 and 15, the Bible tells us to beware of the little foxes. It's the little things that come into our life that grow into gigantic problems. We have to be careful of those things. Watch for those things. It will affect you and your integrity, and that integrity will in turn affect relationships. Be careful that we, uh, what we allow to enter through our five senses, what we see, what we hear, what we touch, we taste, and we smell, according to Psalms 101. Set a code of conduct for yourself in accordance with God's word, according to Jeremiah 51, 27. And this code of conduct should be predetermined so that when things happen and temptations come, we have already made the decision of how we're going to react. So set a, a code of conduct. This is where you say, I'm not going to get mad at the boss. I was relating to somebody right before church started. If all of you was to look around real quick, don't do it. But if you were, you might see them smiling and you'd know who it is. But I'm honest, sometimes to a fault. And I'm blunt sometimes to a fault. But I have this code of conduct that I try not, I do my best not to mow people down with that. But there's a person at work that is the complete opposite of me. 
complete opposite. They're, they're in a position of leadership, and I have a lot of interaction with this person, but they are the utmost of positive. I wish I was like that. You know that charismatic personality where just, and everything is beautiful, and it's sunshine, and it's roses, and it's tulips, and it's butterflies. It doesn't matter how horrible it looks. They see the silver lining in every cloud, and I'm just not like that. I, I call myself a realist. If something broke, it broke. It didn't function. It doesn't. It, it, it broke. But I had that 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 standard. It's a code of conduct that when there's those interactions, I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to get mad. And this is how I'm going to act, and I'm going to react. It's a predetermined code of conduct so when the waitress brings you unsweet tea and sweet instead of sweet tea we have already predetermined our code of conduct instead of grabbing the glass and slinging it across the restaurant and turning the table over and breaking the chair and throwing our chips and salsa on the people beside us we have this code of conduct that says i refuse to act like that and i'm going to act normal And I'm going to be very polite. Establish this in your life. It will help you with integrity. Integrity is like a new building under construction. It's built one block at a time. The proper decisions that we make cement together the blocks of our character. It's built one block at a time. Trust and character and integrity are built a little bit at a time. The world's largest bell has never been rung. It weighs 200 and 19 tons. It is 18 feet tall. During its construction, there was a single drop of water that got into the mold. And when the bell was cast, it cracked because of that one little drop of water. The consequence to this one flaw in its integrity is that it has never been heard in its existence. It can never be rung. It's the danger of just a little bit of a, of, of a flaw in our integrity. We must guard our integrity. So how do we uh, apply integrity to our relationships? The first thing that we must have is integrity in motive. Integrity in motive. Motive means, its definition is something as a need or a desire that causes a person to act. So in our relationship and as we begin relationship and as we interact with people, we must constantly ask ourselves this question, what is my motive? One minister said one time, my problem is not motivating people. My problem is people demotivating me. And there's some of us that can, uh, I'm sure, uh, agree with that statement. So what is our motive in a relationship? As we engage a relationship, as we begin a relationship, or as we continue in a relationship, we need to ask ourselves this question, what is my motive here? What am I hoping to get out of this? What what, what is my end uh, for this relationship? What am I desiring in this relationship. And we have to make sure that our motive is pure. Is our motive love? Is our motive a mutual benefit, say like at a job? 
I have a skill, the company has money, and I'm willing to trade a certain number of hours of my skill for a certain amount of their money. That is a relationship. It's an employee-employer relationship. Many of you are currently involved in that or have been. And we need to ask ourselves, in that, what is, what am I doing? What is my motivation for getting up and going to work every morning? For most people, it's to get a paycheck. Now, there's probably three people in this building right now that say, Brother Merrill, I don't get up and go to work for a paycheck. I get up and go to work because I love it. I love to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and drive in the pitch black and, and go to work in this environment. I just love my job. And if that's you, God bless you. But most people are motivated by that every Friday or every other Friday when you get this little slip of paper with some ink on it. And it's amazing how motivating that little slip of paper is. It's all those little spots of ink that make it so much better. And the more numbers you have on there, the better it is. I told somebody the other day, I've, got, I've almost got a million dollars. I have almost saved up a million. All I'm looking for is the one. I've got all the zeros. I'm just looking for the one. But what is our motivation in a relationship? When we're in relationship with one another... Am I desiring something out of that relationship that's less than stellar? Is it less than what it should be? Are my motives pure? Am I trying to get something out of somebody that is harmful or detrimental to them? Back years ago, I used to read a lot of history books. I love to read history. I, I, I still do. I love history. And I read a lot about uh, the, the James Gang. Y'all ever heard of the James Gang in Missouri? Been in, I've been in those Merrimack Caverns uh, where they hung out. But Jesse James recruited some people. Now when he would, uh, when he would go to recruit somebody to the Jesse James Gang, he was recruiting them with less than pure motive. You understand, he didn't recruit somebody to help them. He didn't engage in a relationship with them to benefit their life. He didn't engage in a relationship with them to bring a good to their life. He engaged in a relationship so they could get him rich. That is an impure motive. Does everybody you understand and agree with that? So we need to, to judge or to... Uh, look at or understand what our motive is in relationship. Some relationships are not that deep. They're acquaintance relationships. So you may not be either a pure motive or impure, but most relationships we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing? What do we hope to gain out of this relationship? So it's integrity in our motive. The second part of uh, integrity relationship is integrity in action. It's integrity in action in a relationship. How do we act? Do we act good in a relationship? There's people we feel comfortable around. I don't act 
here at church the way I act at home. Most of y'all are very thankful for that. You just don't know it, but you are. I certainly act different at church than I act when I'm in traffic. And you are very thankful for that. Getting better. Thank God. Give him all the praise and glory and honor for that one, but I'm getting better. So when we're around certain people, we know that we can act a little bit different than we can with other people. But how we act in relationship is a byproduct of our integrity. Do we go up and slug somebody? You're my best friend, so... Do we do things to harm people? When we interact, when we communicate, how we respond to somebody. When my wife walks in and says, Honey, I need to talk to you. Some of y'all are smiling. Some of you don't dare smile because your wife is doing this. We need to talk. Man, come on. How do we react? If I get mad and I throw the glass of sweet tea at her? Is that integrity in action? No. This is where the fruit of the Spirit comes to play. This is where love and gentleness and kindness and meekness and temperance, that's where these things come into being. And this is where... And I'm using that as an example, but you, I want you to take it and multiply it into all of your relationships. The waitress at the, store, at, at the restaurant, when she gets your order wrong, integrity in action. How am I going to act? Am I going to act as a person that has integrity? Am I going to act as a person that is whole and that is complete and that is in control of my emotions and my responses? Or am I going to act just kind of off the cuff? However I want to. It's integrity in action. Our actions and how we respond oftentimes will reveal our motivation. In due time, our actions will reveal our motivation. There's an old saying that says you can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool all the people some of the time. But you won't fool all the people all the time. Eventually, impure motive will manifest itself in our actions. I'm trying to hurry. And then the last tonight, the last uh, point is that we have to have integrity in choosing relationships. We have to have, and this is where I really wanted to get, uh, is we have to have integrity in choosing relationships. Please choose wisely and choose proper relationships. The Bible tells us that from the very beginning we were created for the purpose of relationship. God did not create us to be alone. I had the opportunity to talk to somebody just this past week that told me about three or four months ago that they would never again allow themselves 
to have a relationship with anybody, ever. They'd been hurt bad, and they said, other than professional relationship or relationships at work, other than that, I will never have another relationship in my life. And I told her that was a very sad statement because we're not designed to be alone. Fortunately, this past week, they've informed me that they're going to start trying to have some friends. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But God did not create us to, to be alone. Some people can do a lot of things alone. Some people cannot. I, at one time, was one of those people that could. When I was a teenager, you could drop me in the middle of Montana, in the middle of nowhere, and I promise you I would have been perfectly happy. Now, not so much. You know, it's sad. I'm becoming an old sap. Christy's gone for more than three or four hours. I'm texting and calling. Where are you at? Come on. Come on home. It's like having people around. I like to interact with people. I like to communicate with people. So when you're alone like that, sometimes you just say it doesn't feel right. It's not fun to be alone and do things like that alone. And I'm not trying to draw bad feelings for people here tonight that may live in that circumstance, but but we're created to be social beings. God created us that way. That's why we need interaction. He created us. God created us with this unbelievable ability to affect one another. We depend on one another for survival, for sustenance, for well-being. We need to have friends. We need the interaction. The Bible even tells us, God says of man, it was not good for him to be alone. Now, some women have told me that once they got to women, he never said that again because he created the perfect being. I figured I'd get an amen on that one. I'm kind of fond of the one God gave me. Of course, her daddy's sitting here too, so I have to be real careful. I hate to digress. I've only got three minutes left, but you know, does everybody know the story of how Christy and I met? I'll tell you in, one, in just a quick second. It's all because of my dear aunt, Sister Bunch. She prayed one night so long, she ran out of stuff to pray for. I was perfectly happy being single. Sister Bunch ran out of things to pray for that night, and she said, Meryl, she said, God, I've only got one thing. I, I don't know if this is how she said it, but this is what happened. God, I've only got one thing left to pray for. Meryl needs a wife. And that's how Sister Christie came along. God answered her prayer. Thank you for that, Sister Bunch. But God said it's not good for us, for humanity to dwell alone. We all need to have relationships, but they must be proper relationships. There are some relationships we should not have, and we need to be wise enough to do that if at one time you were a thief and you've God's delivered you out of that then baby you shouldn't hang around other thieves again this is oftentimes said of people that are recovering uh, from some type of addiction don't go back around people that have those addictions it's just too hard 
I read just a few days ago, it's unbelievable the number of marriages that are dissolving because of Facebook. Thousands upon thousands a year are dissolving because somebody reconnects and starts a relationship with somebody from their past. A high school sweetheart, the guy they dated back in college, or whatever it is. There are some relationships that we should not restart. So, integrity in choice. Choose relationships that are beneficial. Choose relationships that are godly. Choose relationships that bring glory to God, and God will bless them. There's this old, this old uh, line that I'm going to win these people to God. I used to hang out in the bar rooms and all that. God's delivered me, but I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to start winning them people to God. 99.9% of the time, they're going to win you back to the very thing God delivered you from. Choose relationship. Integrity in our relationships consists of our motives, it consists of how we act, and it consists in us choosing the right relationship to have. To be people of integrity, to be people of God, and do it God's way. And I want my life, I pray this oftentimes, and I hope you do, that God, I want my life to be worship. I don't want to just worship you, but I want my life to be worship. Every part of my life. Does it mean I'm perfect? No. But it means that every part of me, I want it to bring glory to God. When, when God looks down, I want God to say, that's a guy that brings me glory. When people look at me, I want them to see a reflection of who God is. And we, the only way we can do that is by having proper relationships. Jesus had integrity in relationship. And as, his, as, as people that are trying to be Christ-like, Christian people, we need to have integrity in relationships, have pure motive. Please have pure motive in relationship. Don't have this ulterior, well, I'm going to befriend them, and then hopefully, you know, when they die, they'll give me $100 million. Of course, if you have $100 million, let me know I might be your friend. I'll do it for less than that, no. Have pure motive in relationship. When you act and react in relationship, act and react with integrity. How would, the, old, the old saying years ago, they made bracelets and signs and all this stuff. What would Jesus do? It, it ran its course, but it, it's still a great question to ask yourself. When somebody does something that's offensive or hurtful, or, and it could be somebody very close to you. It could be a spouse, it could be a kid, it could be a parent, it could be a grandparent, it could be an old rich uncle that didn't leave you anything in the will. But when something like that happens, ask yourself, how am I going to react in this relationship? Am I going to act with integrity? How would Jesus handle this? And then choose your relationships properly. Choose the right relationship and God will bless it and use it to bless his kingdom and use it to bless you and them. Everybody uh, will benefit from that relationship. It's integrity of relationship. God bless you tonight. Uh, Get up. Shake somebody's hand. Thank you for your attention, your willingness to be here. Remember Q8. Q8, get up and greet somebody. If you don't know them, smile at them big and tell them who you are.